You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Everybody, welcome to another podcast show. Whew. I'm glad I'm actually available to do this one, frankly, not just because of lack of time, but also just because of health in general. Uh, but yes, um, basically, I'm a little bit behind on blog stuff recently because I had my second jab on the, uh, what was it, last Monday? Yeah, Monday 19th, because I was able to bring it forward in the UK. So uh, that's now in my system. So I'm now pretty well protected, which is all good. But unlike the first one, I suffered from a few side effects because in combination with that, we were also having a heat wave in the UK and it just culminated together and I ended up with some flu symptoms and I was kind of written off for a couple of days off work. And yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't insanely major, but it just was, it, it took me out. It took me out for those few days. But uh, thanks to those who did wish me well during that time. Uh, and suffice to say, I'm now 100%. So I, I pretty much was 95% on Thursday evening. So um, it was like, Tuesday was feverish, Wednesday was a complete write-off, and Thursday was sluggish, but very quickly mending throughout the day, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I've been totally fine, So, uh, which is good, because I've managed to at least get on with some other content, including the top 10 board games of 2020 revisited list is now up and going... Not as strong as I would like from an opening thing, but it's doing fine. It's doing pretty well, you know, but I said I was going to get that list out a while ago. And as I say, it was meant to be out last week. But once I was flawed and doing the vaccine, there was no way I was going to edit it. And the same goes for the Imperium review, which uh, if I can reach the box. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for seen on the YouTube one. Yep, this one is coming. Um, this is the Imperium Legends box. I've also got classics. But basically, I'm doing a review that's going to cover both of them uh, because they are basically the same game. There's just a difficulty curve difference. That's pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, that one is coming. That will be the next detail review. So that is a proper full review of the game. I'm going to try and do some editing on that over the next couple of days so that I can release it on probably Monday. I would like Monday or Wednesday. It's it's going to be Monday or Wednesday for definite, okay, for Imperium. It's just uh, if I can do it early, Monday. If I can't, then Wednesday because I want to get it done before the UK Games Expo because I'm going to that uh, later on this week. Yes, UK Games Expo is on. They are taking precautions for COVID and I'm double jabbed. I am totally ready for the Games Expo. Not that I'm expecting it to blow me away, though. I mean, I am actually going into this expecting it to be the worst of the games expos I've ever been to, which I know sounds a bit weird. Like, why am I going in the first place if I expect it to be bad? But it's not that I expect it to be bad, but I expect it to be meh because this is a reduced capacity convention. A lot of publishers from international seas aren't there, which means that as I look at the list for who's there and what's on available and that, there's not a lot of hotness. There's not a lot of new stuff I'm interested in. I'm expecting a lot of like very basic indie stuff there. And maybe I'll find some hidden gems, but this isn't something like Essen where I'm going around trying to find the, the unbelievable hotness. No, this is more of a kind of shopping trip, a browsing trip, but mainly I'm going as a social thing. So I'm essentially deciding, right, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go to see people because there are people who are 
coming over from like the local countries like Iceland and maybe a bit of Europe that are going to be there. There are people who I haven't seen for a while just in general, uh, you know, who are going to be there. And I think most of the time I'll just spend open gaming, you know, going out for food, drinks, maybe go to the cinema or something. You know, I'm just going to try and hang out with people, I think. But if you do see me at the UK Games Expo, I'll probably be... I'm going to be wearing one of two things. I'm going to either be wearing these shirts because they're nice and comfortable and easier for warm weather, or I will be wearing my uh, polo shirts with the logo on them. It depends how hot it is there because we are still technically in hot weather. But I will be there. Uh, so by all means, if you do see me, then I can't imagine any reason why I would be too busy to say hi. So, you know, I will say hi, I'll shake your hand, I'll give you a hug if you want. Honestly, I'm not opposed to a hug at this point. So by all means, just come say hi, let me know how you are, let me know, you know, what you like on the channel, or just, you know, ask me about games, you know, I would love to meet as many of you as possible, because this is like the opportunity to finally get out there and see people and inter interact, you know, granted the last couple of months have been pretty good on that anyway, just because we've had restrictions lifted, and we've just recently had the legality of them lifted which is not made as massive a deal as you might think, actually, because people were really like, oh my god, everything's going to go to pot now. But as I walk around all the shops and that, everybody's kind of still doing the same thing they did before. So whoopee-doo. But we'll see. But yeah, can't wait to be at the expo to just just to get out to a convention, frankly. You know, it's been a year and a half, more than that probably since, uh, yeah, a year and a half since the last convention I went to. So this is the opportunity for me to go, right, I want to go to a convention and this will be it. Uh, next big one, I think, will probably be Essen. I should, yeah, I should be going to Essen. I've still got a hotel booked outside of the city and I don't see why I couldn't go to Germany if Germany's willing to have people from the UK there who are double jabbed. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to still go to Essen, you know, kind of as a punter more than anything else. Uh, well, a little bit of blog capacity, but mainly, I guess, as a punter. But before then, I've got a couple of mini conventions, which are just like, you know, go there and play games. I've got one at the end of August, KCON. I've never done KCON before. It's a new one on me, but it's only about an hour and a half away tops. Uh, Milton Keynes, I believe. And it sounds good. A weekend of just sit and play games. Okay, cool. I'm totally down for that. But yeah, some good stuff on the horizon from there. Uh, but as for the blog, as I mentioned, yes, those that review is on route. It will be coming. As for other reviews, I've got to do a Blitz review of Die of the Dead at some point. I need to play and review Tinner's Trail. That's definitely going to be a Blitz review. I've got a... Well, I'll talk about this one later in a news segment. So I won't spoil now. But I've also got a bunch of games from Osprey Games that have recently arrived. So, you know, Osprey Games have kindly... They, they sent me Imperium as well as Asmodee. But, well, Osprey sent me Legends. Asmodee sent me Classics. So, either way, I'm covered. But I've also got a bunch of other games that I can sort of go off within reach. So they sent me Undaunted, North Africa. I've been talking about wanting to play this for a long time. People have said, come on, Luke, you got to play it. But it's a two-player only game. They're not easy for me to get to the table. Well, Osprey have sent me one, so now I want to get it to the table. And as I open it up, it's, it looks pretty cool. I'm really interested to get that one done. Uh, they've also sent me Cryptid. Uh, I already know that this is a really solid game, but at least now I can play it even more and give it a decent Blitz review. Uh, they've also sent me The King is Dead 2nd Edition. This is the one I'm probably least likely to enjoy out of the lot, just by what it entails, especially when, no pun included, decided to make this like one of their best games ever, which, honestly, I 
this this is going to have to do something really crazy to make me believe that you know that that just sounded like pandering when they said that and that's imperium classic so that doesn't count i've already got those so yeah but it's going to be kind of an osprey osprey games sponsored week of blitz reviews when i get around to those but it shouldn't take too long to get those ones played and um, because they're all short games so short games i can play one after the other and give them the beans i could spend the whole day at dice playing nothing but those free games and churn them out nice and quick you know you know we could play them several times a piece it'd be great so yeah we'll see on that front uh, but okay yeah um other than that as i say i'm in good health job's still hard to deal with but you know that's just normal uh social media wise it is a little bit of a pain at the moment you know so there's a lot of emphasis with uh people being unable to post anything negative on uh, social media without getting blasted and that just seems to be running true and true more of the time i mean you read a post that's just like i played this game and it's amazing heart you'll get 100 million likes and nobody will bat an eyelid. People will just respond going, yeah, I agree too, I agree too, sheep, sheep, sheep. But as soon as anybody posts any kind of criticism, even if they say they like the game, if they post criticism, instantly the trolls are on them. And it's just, why is it so hard for people just to accept that not everybody loves everything with a 10 out of 10 shiny rating? I posted a, um, I didn't even post a review. It was literally first thoughts of Clinic. I finally got to play Clinic. In fact, why don't we go into what I played recently and link this together. So recently I played Clinic. Clinic is this big game, I think it's called Albion Velard. Uh, let me load it up on the screen and I'll be able to hopefully pronounce it. I'm not entirely sure. But Clinic is this big Euro game. It's pretty much in the deluxe edition. I've given it a five out of 10 based on the first impressions. Obviously that is first impressions. But yeah, Alban Viard, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but basically he's done a couple of things like Tramways and some Age of Steam expansions. And there was another one he did, Small City. So I've not played any of those games, except for Age of Steam. I've played it and I hate it, but, but he just did expansions. I haven't played Small City and I haven't played Tramways. Clinic, I've played and I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. A 5 out of 10 is an average rating for me, guys. All right, it means I will still play it. I just won't seek it out. But Clinic, I played it, and it's basically, you are building up a hospital. So you're building up a hospital, you're building the various treatment rooms inside it, and you're hiring doctors and nurses and orderlies to kind of keep the place and go, will you be quiet, Adobe? Uh, but you're also trying to get patients admitted into your hospital, and you get them in, you treat them, certain doctors can treat certain patients. And for some reason, you have to care so much about parking. Apparently, parking's a massive crazy thing. Maybe I've just got a very lucky hospital, but I've never had a problem parking at a hospital in terms of spaces. I've had problems parking at hospitals because they charge you about a million pounds just to go in and drop off a prescription. You know, that's what gets my goat on hospital parking. But I don't know. Apparently, that's a thing with this. But yeah, I... This is one of the ones that I posted like a constructive first thoughts where I said, this is what I like. And... Well, let's talk about the bits I liked. I like the fact that it is a heavy, meaty game. This is definitely one that requires a bit of forward planning from turn to turn. You, you know, there are only 18 actions, which is a bit low, especially when you, this game takes three to four hours to play. And the actions themselves aren't particularly that interesting. It's like pick up two things, pick up two of this, pick up a couple of cubes. Whoopee. It's like they're not particularly interesting actions. And you only do 18 of them over the course of the game. But they are meaty and they do require you to think ahead and plot and plan where you're going to build these various uh, like bits of your clinic. 
So, you know, it has got some good meaty decisions and it's well produced. The production quality is pretty good. I played it on Tabletop Simulator, but I've seen it in person. I know that it's pretty good production quality, minus the cubes. But, oh well, I guess everything's got to have cubes these days. But you've got like, you know, proper meeples and you've got the you know, little cars for the parking and the player boards and the big iconography filled mass board. You know, it's a bit crazy in that regard. But, you know, there's a lot going from it from a heavy Euro standpoint. But I had some issues with it. I don't like the fact that, as I said, it's three to four hours to play and it's 18 actions. I mean, that's a lot of time to spend just basically doing 18 fairly mundane things. I didn't like the fact that a lot of the game was emphasized on parking, and yet parking really wasn't that big a deal. I mean, you build a building on the bottom floor, maybe two buildings, and you've got ample room for parking, especially if you just buy one parking lot. I didn't really get why, you know, it was like such a big deal. But, you know, it just felt like it was another complication in the game that didn't need to be there. And that's one thing I will say about this. It feels like complexity for complexity's sake. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in this game that I don't feel need to be there. You know, you've got you've got minus points around the edge of the board for if it takes a while for people to walk from one bit to the other. What? Really? I mean, around must be at least a year in terms of time because you can construct entire buildings in that time. But then at the end of the round, you do movement points to get your like doctors and nurses from the entrance into the building. Why you can't just put them in the rooms when you buy them, I don't know. Again, complexity for complexity's sake. But you spend these movement points to get them in and then you record them at the top on that thing. And the more movement points you spend in the game, the more negative points you take because reasons. I don't know. You know, I mean, for crying out loud, you have to walk in a hospital all the time. Have you ever been in the hospital? It's like walking around an airport gate. It's a long distance. So why is that a negative thing? I don't know. And then on top of that, you've then got Q points. You've got movement points and you've got Q points and you've got these points. It's like, Jesus, seriously. It's like, streamline your game, man. But this bit I didn't like either. This whole idea of getting cubes off this appointment pad in order to get them in your hospital. Now, you want the red, orange, and yellow cubes because they're worth more money. And they are catastrophically more money. That's a very bad phrase. <laughs> they are worth considerably more money as you go up the levels. Like getting a white cube and treating it is almost pointless. It's just not enough money. But you get a red and that can set you up for the next round by itself. And these come out at random. Yes, at random. They come out on this pad. The right hand side goes away. And basically players, when they go there, have a certain amount of Q points. Again, another complexity for complexity's sake rule. And then they shift these cubes around so people with fractures can suddenly, all of a sudden, have a heart condition and the fracture is miraculously cured. I don't know how that works in the theme. Uh, you know, the theme in this game is a little bit weird, to be perfectly frank. And you grab the cubes off this pad. But it's you can only treat certain patients if you've got that particular hub in your thing. You might have bought a hub for heart patients and then suddenly all the cubes that come out for that turn out to be white and yellow for the rest of the game. Well, great. I bought that hub, so now I've got to waste time getting another hub, you know, wasting one of my precious 18 actions to get another hub just because the cubes are coming out randomly better for someone else than they are for me. I don't, that should not be a random element in a three hour game. On top of that, the turn order is pretty punishing. I mean, this is quite a punishing game as well, and I don't tend to like games that are way too punishing if you can't control the narrative. You can't control the narrative of the cubes. It's impossible. And the turn order is something that you can't really bargain for as well. You know, the, it's basically who's lowest on points gets to go first. Okay, cool. But then people are spending time at the end of a round when you get to buy more points 
to say, oh, I'm going to buy two points. I could buy four, but I'm going to buy two because then I get to go first. It's like, what? This isn't theme. This is just complexity for complexity's sake. But then if you are behind in turn order, it means that when there's only three actions you do, so if you do the same action as another player in a simultaneous uh, tile flip, you basically go bef after they do. That can be catastrophic for something like the admitting patients, where just because they happen to go to that action, you can't predict they're going to, they just happen to, because you're third or fourth in turn order, you get nothing good and they get all the good stuff. And in the first round of the game, that's entirely randomly determined. I started the first round of this game in last place on the turn order track by pure randomness. And I basically was shafted for that first round because every time I went anywhere, the good stuff was taken because I was last. That's no fault of my own. It was just completely random in a three hour heavy Euro game. Come on. I mean, I won it in the end just, and I will give it credit. You do end up with pretty tight scores in this game. That was pretty good. But I don't even know how I won. I mean, did I get a rule wrong somewhere? I must have done. I can't understand how I was doing well. Because all I did was basically say, well, you know what? Orderlies are pointless. Um, parking is not an issue. And you only have to have treatment rooms that can treat patients on the top floors to score them. You don't actually have to treat anyone in them. So I just basically built a multi-story hospital. Whoopee. I basically did the barrage thing. And I won. It, like I said, I don't think the game is bad. I would play it again if somebody put it on the table, but I just, I wasn't blown away by it like some people are, and I'm not alone in this regard. But man, you try telling an Albion Villard, uh, an Albion Villard, whatever, uh, fan that you have some criticisms over their games, man, do they come at you. You know, some people were willing to discuss the points nice and maturely, which was great, and they disagreed with some of the points, and I was glad to discuss that. Not a problem. We can all like different things. But then there were just some that blatantly just did not read the post or did not care. You know, I had to correct some people so many times when they say like, oh, you just don't like these games or you're probably, you you know, go back to your light games. You know, maybe after 10 more plays of this, you can suddenly like this boa. Um, hello, it's on my shelf, you moron. You know, it's kind of like, seriously, you kind of have to really babysit a lot of these people. And it just got a little bit frustrating over time. But it's not going to stop me putting posts where I've got criticism of games. I'm sorry. If you can't hack the fact that somebody might not like your game as much as you do, then get out of the social media section, all right? Because if your Facebook group is just going to be people going, I love this game heart, and that's it, that's going to be the most boring Facebook group ever. I was very disappointed in the board game group for, you know, making life a bit of a hassle for this one. But like I say, Clinic... 5 out of 10 on first impressions. I would play it again if somebody said, fine, it's average. I'd get some enjoyment out of it. But I'm never going to be the first one to suggest it, you know, on the thing. It's just, it just didn't sing well with me. All right, rant over. <laughs> Let's go on to some, actually, no, this game's pretty uh, lame as well. Next one I remember playing. This is a very small game. It's called Cinco Linko. Uh, this is like a, kind of like a little basically a little filler game in a sense it's basically these like stacks of colored tiles that you get and with these with these tiles each person gets a stack and all you basically do is try to get four in a row or five in a row it's something like that and all you basically do is stack them one at a time and you have to place them adjacent to another thing and you're basically just trying to get four of a row but obviously everybody is trying to block everybody else from it so there's a lot of banter around the table as to well i'm not going to stop them you stop them and so it basically encourages people to be selfish great you know what a great way to think but i 
this game was alright, but we played it with six of us, I think, and that's just way too many play players. It it got far too chaotic, and it just ended up being luck of the draw as to who won it. It it wasn't that fun. I didn't really care too much about it. I mean, it's it's fine. It's cheap. It's an interesting storage solution that it has on these little pegs, but. If this is all the game is, maybe it's better with less players, I don't know, but I just really didn't get much out of it. You know, it's like I'm putting a thing down, by the time it gets back round, somebody's going to have blocked me. So it's literally just a case that you get into a point where somebody will, like, hide in the shadows and not be noticed while everybody is blocking someone else. So it's just, yeah, you know what, I'm dropping this down to a four. I'm, I'm calling this one not so good, you know, not that good, below average game. I don't really care for it. I would never play it again. And fr frankly, it's ranked, what, uh, 5,119? I don't think it's uh, overly loved by a ton of people. Uh, but I have finally... I played Circadian's First Light. 8 out of 10, yes, based on the first couple of plays. Finally, I have played this wretched game. <laughs> so, the amount of times I've said I'm going to play Circadian's First Light when I bought it, when? Early April? <laughs> I think I bought it. You know, I thought, oh yeah, I want to play this because people have said it's good and I like Garpil Games stuff, so I was keen to see what this one was like. I skipped the Kickstarter on it because it didn't wow me enough from a Kickstarter perspective and I thought, okay, let's finally play it. I had spare evening and trust me, spare evenings aren't commonplace with me. And I thought, right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to learn this game from the rule book and play it solo and see how this goes. And I have only played it solo. And frankly, I think it's going to stay that way. You know, Circadian's First Light is a dice, dice placement game. So everybody has got a player screen as well as their own player board with some bits that you can put garages and farms and bits like that on them. And you have a certain amount of resources. It's very, very much a resource management game. But you have so many dice and you place them on your player board to suggest whether they're farming or whether they're going out into kind of like this middle tableau of uh, action boards to do various things like get more resources, mine gems, get a farm, get a garage, move your harvester on this map in the middle. And basically they've all got different rules as to how you use the dice. Very much your standard dice placement game. The artwork I quite like in this, actually. I think it's colourful and, and you know, kind of unique in a sense. It's very much on that kind of style that they like. Some people have a problem with it. I think it's pretty decent across the board. Yeah, the farms and the garages look a little bit plain and naff, but I think the character models in this are good. And as you look at it on the table here, it's like lots of like light blues and green oranges. The dice are all... Uh, you know, brightly, you know, they're shiny dice, even if some of them are black and purple now, but, you know, they, and the resources are good wooden components. I think the production quality is pretty sound on this, really, for what it is. Ah, quick little drink there. And the idea is, is that in a solo mode, you play it pretty much as you would in a multiplayer, except you have an AI that um, you operate, which basically has its own rules for uh, what it does in terms with the dice. It's a pretty easy thing to do. Uh, you've got these uh, alien races that you can negotiate with in the middle of the board where you place their dice there and you get points as long as you give them, you trade with them basically, but it gets you bonuses for doing so. You've got player powers, which are very powerful things. I mean, I had this uh, Rosalind girl here at game one dice. If you have less than five at the end of each round because you've max out five, that saved me a lot of time having to get more dice. You know, it can be a... These abilities are really, really good. But the rules are pretty straightforward. I mean, the boards tell you exactly how the actions work. 
and it is basically just a case of get the resources, buy some items, which are cool additions for points and special powers, and you know making certain actions cheaper. You've got you know you're obviously tension for spaces with the dice you've got your little map here where you can get more resources by moving your harvester around there's like end game scoring opportunities and i i really enjoyed this one actually um, i'm trying to see if i can find a picture of the, the ai system but it's not proving to be particularly easy here but the ai basically just has its own player board and when it has so many dice and then basically it does something slightly different in each round to facilitate all right this is the actions of the the ai board so if i can't ah there here we, here we go so the ai basically just has spaces for the dice it has the action order like everyone else does plan execute harvest and rest and the idea is, is that you draw these cards very much like the west kingdom uh trilogy style solo modes actually you draw a card you put it down and it tries to do the top action and pays whatever cost or gets whatever bonus is pictured but if it can't do that it tries the middle action if it can't do that it tries the bottom action and you basically just draw a couple of cards and resolve them and the rules for them are pretty straightforward as they get more powerful as the game goes on or if the difficulty's higher then they end up drawing more cards or they get more dice easily and there's four different difficulty ratings but sadly the only difference between them is they score a bit more for certain things and it's like Mm, that's a little bit basic really i would have liked there to have been a bit more variation in the ai difficulties but i still really enjoyed this one it's a very cool puzzle it took me a while to get into it in my first game because it was quite a uh you know a lot of rules to learn of the multiplayer game and then throw the solo rules on top i was kind of going in the deep end but you know when i review games i like to learn them from the rulebook because after all i am reviewing the rulebook now, it's not my intention to give this one a review, uh, mainly because of time constraints. I've got too much to get on with in terms of reviews. I've got more top 10s to do, and I've got to get on my top 100 at some point. So this one isn't necessarily one I was planning to do a review on. Maybe in the long, long term, I will do one. But, you know, so far, I've enjoyed it. I think the puzzle is pretty cool. I think the uh, rules are fairly straightforward for what this is. Uh, I think that you know it's a pretty well produced game i think it's definitely better solo than with multiplayer i mean i could see myself play be playing this two player at most free player but i don't know if i'd want to or not i don't know if this goes up to five i can't see it from here on my you know, i think it's buried under a bunch of stuff or maybe i've put it on the shelf somewhere but i can't remember if it does five players does it let's have a look the cajun's first light it goes from one to four players. Okay, fine. And it says best two. I'd say best solo, frankly. But, you know, I wouldn't want to play this with four. I think that would just be too long and three would be quite long as well. I think this is really a one and two player game. And in fact, uh, I need to log another play there because that one I know I played it last week. Save that one there. I know I've played it twice so far. Um... But yeah, you know, this one, I've been enjoying it so far. It's an 8 out of 10 based on first impressions after a couple of plays. I think this was definitely worth the purchase. Uh, I'm glad I finally played it. Um, I hear there's more, is there more content coming out for this? Is there an expansion on the way? I can't recall. Uh, is anything in the works? Oh, no, there's an Allies expansion, which is like a promo. I don't know if there's any more. I think there's maybe a, a spin-off game in the Circadians line coming. I'll have to look into that more. Or you can just help me and put it in the comments. That would be so kind of you. But yeah, Circadians First Light. I enjoyed it. So uh, all good there.
Right, let's go on to uh, a shout out. And I'm going to bring up a familiar face here because honestly, I'm starting to, you know, it does irk me when I see some of the popular trending creators get like 10,000 views within an hour of posting their video for posting a topic that nobody really cares about. It's like, and yet, you know, some of the small creators end up putting a video out which should be like the hotness in terms of topics and yet barely get a bunch of views. And I just don't find it fair. But the nerd shelves, I'm bringing them up again. These, uh, yeah, we get on very well. Judy and Michael from the nerd shelves, they do board game reviews, they do playthroughs, they do live streams, they do a ton of stuff. You know, they put out quite a lot of content for, you know, for how small the channel is. You know, it gives me a run for my money. But, you know, they are very lovely people. They're very passionate in their games. You know, they, 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 Judy in particular, like, you know, has quite a liking for some of like the Asian themed uh, games. You know, there was one or two we were talking about in the last live stream we did. I think it was like something, the something market. I can't remember. It was about shopping in an Asian market and it looked good. It looked like an upcoming Kickstarter and I was like, I wanted to try it. But they've done like, you know, playthroughs of trails. They've done playthroughs of photosynthesis and brew, you know, brew, sheepy time trails. These are new games that people should be trying to get more information on. But here's what gets my goat here. This I've watched and commented on. Yeah, top 10 board games of all time in our collection. Top 10 board games of somebody should be one of the best topics to watch. You get to see what their favorite games are ever. You get to get a massive like indication of what their tastes are. And believe me, I like some of the games they've put on their top 10. And there are some games I really don't like that they put on their top 10. So, you know, they've got more of a liking for Feld than I have by far. But, you know, they are wonderful together. The chemistry is right there. They've got a nice backdrop with this one for the... I'm not going to load it up because I don't want the audio to play through on the podcasting. But, you know, they've got a nice little, like, sliding wardrobe with the games. I think that's a really cool way to store them. But they're lovely. And yet 1,000 subscribers and 576 views. Four days ago, 500 views for that. I mean, you know, Watch It Play can put out some random news video and generate 10,000 views without even blinking. You know, even the Dice Tower can put out a review on a game no one's ever heard of and still generate several thousand within the space of a couple of hours. You know, apparently, you know, Alex can put out a video on telling people whether they need to buy a game or not, which should be the easiest question to answer. I don't see why that's even a question. You know, if you don't know the difference between wanting and needing a game, you've got some uh, addiction issues you might need to sort out. But, you know, that can generate uh, like 10,000 views without even blinking or something. And yet, top 10 games of all time, 500. Not fair. Not fair. More people need to check out this channel. They are lovely. These two are like the genuine small creators that you want to get behind. And I do get behind. You know, I love having them on. The, I think I've had them on the show twice now, I think. I think it's twice um, they've been on. And I look forward to doing more and more with them, to be perfectly frank. You know, we have a good we have a good laugh discussion, three of us doing top fives. And it, it'd be interesting to see what other topics we could discuss. But yeah, they... They do a lot of good stuff and, you know, they're very passionate about it. They feel a bit down when, you know, they see like the views not come in compared to a lot of big creators. I mean, we all do, you know, in our small creator fashion. But yeah, definitely get behind the Nerd Shelves. They got a Facebook group as well, the Nerd Shelves Facebook group, I think it's called, or the Nerd Shelves board game group, I think it is, uh, which I'm a member of. You know, a few hundred people, but we get to talk about board games as well. So it's a nice community where nobody like nobody in this Facebook group like has a go at you for disliking a game. You know, hello the board game group. 
But yeah, you know, get behind them and go check out this video, Top 10 Board Games of All Time, because it's a good fun to watch, and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised that your tastes might align with them better than you might think. So yeah, go check out them. Shout out to the Nerd Shelves, hashtag support small creators. Alright, let's get on to some news, and there's not a lot to talk about really. Uh, the Spill the Yaris. Spill the Yaris has been announced, and Micro Macro Crime City was the biggest winner of the lot, winning the official Spill the Yaris. And I've still not played it. <laughs> I've not had a chance to get on and play it. I don't know if I would like it or not. I mean, it's popular, it's doing well. I'm just going to assume that it's, you know, good enough for that. But for a game that is actively depicting murders and crimes and stuff, the fact that this is supposed to be a family game that kids should be playing is a little bit concerning. I mean, you are chasing after people who have outright killed animals. Family game? I'm not entirely sure. But as I say, a lot of people liked it. It won. I've not even played the other ones that were nominated. But, you know, I wish it looked a bit better, but I mean, that's just the style of game it is. Maybe it's cool. I'd, I'd, I'd have to try it. Somebody's just going to have to bring it to a night and show it to me, and then I'll see what the big deal is. But I, I'm not getting it just from looking at this paper map. But I'm sure there's more to it than meets the eye. Uh, the Kenner Spiel was also announced, and this one, again, I have not played the winner, but I'm a bit disappointed on this one. Padio won it. Now, I have not played this game. I would like to play it because it's a co-op, which already is something that I like. But unfortunately, the UK has not heard of this game for the last God knows how many months. It's like it came and then went and now there's no more stock. So I will gladly play this if somebody shoves it in front of me. But is this a Kennerspiel game? I mean, I don't put much emphasis on any of these stats, but I mean, 2.6 is not a high weight. It's a wonderful player game. This is supposedly one that families can play, you know, pretty easily. And it doesn't look like the most complicated game in the world. I mean, it's just, you know, here's a few cards with some uh, micronography on them. Fairly basic. I can tell something's like health and some is like damage it does. But I'm trying to find, you know, a more... Yeah, it doesn't look like there's a huge amount of components in this game and a huge amount going on. It just, for the Kenner Spiel, which is meant to be the strategic games, you know, it seems a little bit weird that this one won it. This one feels like something that should have been in the Spiel DRS category. Like it should have been low enough weight for that. And I'm hearing that's a bit of a consensus with people who have heard about this award. But it really pains me because this one won out to Lost Ruins of Arnak. I'm sorry, Lost Ruins of Arnak is by far a better contender for a Kennerspiel category. It is a it is a strategic Euro game. It is way more deserving of that category in terms of its weight rating. I mean, 2.86. Hadio is apparently slightly less weight than this is. From what I'm hearing about Pedio, I don't think that's the case. And frankly, this stat is complete rubbish. I mean, you, you want to laugh at this one. Go watch uh, Dice Tower's top 10 casual two-player games list where Mike makes a massive deal about using this weight rating. This weight, most of Board Game Geek's stats are garbage, frankly. But the most garbagey stat they have is weight. It means nothing. It's completely contrived. And most of the time, it's wrong. So, you know, <laughs> don't pay too much attention to it. But yeah, this one should have won it. Last Rooms of Arnak is such a good game. It's a, robbed, I say, robbed. But who knows? Maybe Paleo is fantastic, but until somebody shoves it in front of me, who knows? Family? Four? Last Rooms of Arnak is not a family game. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know, but like I say, board game geek, sort your life out. 
But, ah, well, like I say, those are your two winners. We already did the kinder, uh, kinder Spiel a while back, but I don't play kids' games, so I'm not too fussed. But those are your two winners, I guess, same time next year. Although, what is going to be on next year? It's been released. Uh, maybe New Games Expo will actually have some of the other ones on. In fact, I think Cosmos Games will have a copy of Robin Hood there, from what I've heard. And that was one of the other Spiel the Aura's nominations. Um, I wonder if I can load it up on screen. Uh, I'm just calling it Robin Hood. There's a lot of games called Robin Hood, unfortunately. Ah, here we go. The Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah, here we go. Um, a cooperative game that changes while you play. Uh, Cosmos game, two to four players. Looks very simple. Designed by Michael Menzel and art by Michael Menzel. Designed by him, I don't know if that's going to mean for an amazing game, but illustrated by him means it's going to look gorgeous. Can't wait to see the board in person. But uh, yeah, if Cosmos has this at UK Games Expo, you can bet I'll give this one a try. Okay, so now World of Warcraft. Yes, if you thought Z-Man Games wasn't milking Pandemic enough, then here you go. Here's another game for them to milk. World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King, which was the second expansion, I think, for World of Warcraft back in my day. And, you know, I don't know a lot about its mechanics, but it's already being marketed as using the pandemic system. It's like, oh, for crying out loud. Z-Man, can you just do something new? Can you get a unique bone in your body? This is pathetic now. I mean... Yes, you'll tweak some of it, but look at it. Look at this game. It's pandemic. Look at that yellow area, the red area, the pinky area. Here's cards in your hand that you play. Yes, you might now have a character with health points, and yes, there'll be some tweaks, obviously, to make it match World of Warcraft. But just get a unique bone in your body. Just something different stop milking pandemic for every bit's worth the cow that this the pandemic cow must be literally a husk at this point a shriveled up husk you know what's the the futurama gang you know you got the uh the 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 hippies outside protesting against eating meat and he's going like you know you know lions eat meat and he goes no they don't we taught one to eat tofu and you look at the lion it's just basically like the husk with like no hair and shriveled up like <coughs> It's like, you know, that's what this cow of a pandemic looks like. It's like, we, we've milked this pandemic cow until it's dry. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you know, oh, just come on. Will the game be good? Maybe. I don't know, but I just can't be bothered. It, it's, it just seems like this is an IP cash grab more than anything else. And, you know, if it's something that you want to try, then try it. But I'm just getting bored with the system being milked to high heaven yeah, re-implements pandemic. There's just so many pandemic games. Everything. It's just it's just another one. It's just gonna have some slight tweaks to the system. But how many of these games do you need? I don't know. Are there any World of Warcraft fans that are looking forward to this? I mean, I played it back in the day, but I'm not fussed about it anymore because it sucked up way too much of my childhood. I wonder how many uh maybe I wouldn't have had so much try maybe I wouldn't be single now if I didn't play World of Warcraft, you know. <laughs> that big a deal. But I don't know, just something different. And then finally, I want to talk briefly about the one that I was talking about earlier. Scandalo is an upcoming Kickstarter that is, it says re-implements awkward guests. Now, from what I've read in the rules, it does feel like it's basically just awkward guests again. You know, I'm trying to think, where's the difference here? But this is from Megacorp and Games, a Spanish company, I believe. And they are doing this brilliant deck system 
and that's what they call it, that's not me saying it's amazing, that's just what they call it, brilliant deck system, where basically the deck comes out with a unique scenario for the game as to who did it and what. This one you're trying to uncover a scandal, so what is the scandal plot, which celebrity is behind it, and which newspaper will make it public? And you use investigative abilities to solve each case, you have various cards that you use, and it, like I say, it's you trade these with other players and it's quite cool. It does sound like a carbon copy of Awkward Guess though, which is on my shelf down here. So why would you want to own this if you only already own Awkward Guess? That's where I'm a little bit like confused. But the reason I didn't bring this up earlier is because opposite the table over there is a prototype copy of the game, which I, because I've fallen behind, I haven't had a chance to play, but I was afraid I was going to be a bit late, but thankfully their original idea was to kickstart it in July. It's now been pushed back to September, which now gives me a whole other month to get this played. So now finally I can go, all oh, right, fine. It's not a massive urgency anymore. So I will look to get this played and do a preview of the, uh, the prototype in August as a blitz format, and we'll see how it goes. But I mean, Awkward Guess was a really good deduction game. So this one should, by its nature, be a really good deduction game. But is it going to be different enough from the previous one, or is it just going to be exactly the same, just with a different theme? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the differences are. But this is on the horizon, so if you are an Awkward Guests fan, stay tuned. I will report in due course. Okay, so with all that done, let's move on to the quick discussion topic. In fact, uh, how, many, how long has this been on? 40 minutes? Yeah, that's fine. I don't think this topic's going to take too long, but let's have a drink first. Sweet, blackcurrant, squash. <laughs> so I need something. I've already had, it's too hot for a coffee right now. But, so we're basically talking about a, a kind of, a topic that certainly is going around a lot at the moment. Uh, some people have already discussed it, I know Alex has and a few others, but basically there's this worry about like reviewers being paid for reviews. And it's like, some people have like, I don't know who started it, but some accusations have been thrown around as to, you know, oh, reviewers get paid to say nice things about games. Nobody's honest anymore. Nobody's like saying critical things about games. Well, hello, case in point, I am. But, you know, and there is a worry of like, maybe there's too much bias. Now, I don't get paid for anything I do. I've had random people with Kickstarters I've never heard of come to me and say, how much would you charge for a preview? And it's like, what? I don't know. What do you charge for a preview? I don't charge for this kind of thing. That's not how I roll. But on top of that, I don't think there's anybody out there that outright gets paid to do a review. I can't speak for Shut Up and Sit Down because, frankly, they want to get paid to attend anything. So it's like, okay, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. But no, I don't think even they get paid for reviews. So I don't believe that this is a thing in the industry, that you know somebody is getting outright bought with money to essentially do a positive review. Now, you could argue that isn't a review copy, effectively a paid review. Like, you know, Osprey Games have given me The King is Dead 2nd Edition. Therefore, they've given me effectively a... 15, 20 pound game for free. Well, honestly, if your idea of the cost of a review is 15 pounds, then I'm glad I'm a tax accountant because frankly, that wouldn't pay the bills. You know, 15 quid is not exactly a monetary value that would sway me to, you know, say positive things about your game. Now, you know, just because I get a review copy for a game, I do not 
let that influence my ranking at all. I will say what I want to say about a game. If I love it to bits, like a whistle mountain, I will sing the praises from the, no pun intended, the, the mountaintops, and I will tell you why I love it to bits. If I really hate a game, you know, if I get Age of Steam review, for example, I will tell you exactly why I hate the living daylights out of that game. But I will be perfectly honest. You don't have to agree with the criticisms or the praises even. You might think the game's rubbish when I say it's great. But you just have to acknowledge that's why I like or dislike a game. At least you know I'm being honest about it. But, you know, I, I don't... I, I would like to think that a lot of people out there are still pretty honest with their reviews. You know, the, the, I don't think that a lot of creators are outwardly saying, oh yeah, I'm lying my head off. But then this is why I don't take any knowledge, um, any notice of playthroughs and uh, previews when it comes to saying if a game is good or not. Now, I know that's slightly uh, iffy on that front because I do do some previews and I do give my first impressions rating. But then I think I'm quite unique in that fashion because I am still willing to talk honestly about a game saying, look, this is a prototype. It's not the final game, but based on what I've played so far, I would rank this a whatever. That's me. I don't think a lot of people do that in their previews, but I just don't take much notice of a preview normally because most of the time, in fact, all the time, as I say, people won't say what they think about the game. They're just saying what the game is. That's not good enough. I want to know if this game is worth backing. You tell me if the game is worth backing. You have played a copy of this game. Yes, it could change slightly by then, but at the moment you have played this game and you have found whether it's fun or not to play. If you didn't find it fun, you tell me it's not fun so that I don't waste my money backing it. You know, you need to get that out. And playthroughs are a similar thing as well, because when was the last time you saw somebody talk negative about a game after doing a playthrough of it? Now, some people might combine playthrough and review, but even so, I would probably say there's not many examples of creators who will actually... I, I do know a couple. I do know a couple. And, you know, fair prey. That's why I subscribe to them. But, you know, hashtag support small creators. But the... Generally, especially with the larger creators, you know, the, play, the playthroughs... You just know that they're playing the game because they know they love it already. You know, there's no, they're not playing it because, oh, this is the first time I've played this game. Oh, no, I can't possibly think I would like this game. It's like, no, no. You know, you know, I can think of several big creators who specialize in playthroughs. And I'm like, yeah, when was the last time you ever said a negative word? You know, come on. I can't trust anything that you're saying about this playthrough because it's just you enjoying it. I'm not getting any information here and I'm not getting any useful feedback. So, you know, that's why I just don't really do playthroughs. Now, you know, the other thing is, okay, so let's assume that no one's getting paid. All right, no one's getting paid to do a review. But is there still a bias with uh, reviews in general? I would like, I'd like to say that there isn't, but frankly, I don't think you can avoid it because... Not only will people have bias to certain games just because they like those types of games, that's kind of a norm, but you've also got to think about relationships in this case. It's one thing to say, look, I got, I didn't get paid money to do this review, therefore it's not biased, but then you've also got to imagine that people still want review copies, they still want to maintain good relationships with the publishers, so what relation, how do you think that relationship is going to go if the like somebody gives you three of their games and you say you don't like any of them. 
do you think that publisher is going to call you in the next like year or two with their next release when you have said critical things about their games most likely not they're in this as a business they need to make money they're not you know most of them are not gonna be like oh you hated our game well you know that's fine no 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 it's like you hated our game oh great now other people might think the game's bad oh no we won't sell it we won't make money publishers are a business at the end of the day they're not a a board game consumer they are a publisher a business that needs to make profit so you gotta expect that kind of thing but it also means that the reviews that some people will put out you might think that they are trying to maintain those relationships the large creators for the most part don't want to lose these relationships you know they've built up these relationships over time and the last thing they want to do is lose them now and it's very damaging if they do so, but then also you can argue that they're so big, they couldn't really care less. <laughs> you know, they're so big and mighty that if they do a bad review for a game and the publisher's like, oh, that's a bit annoying. I don't think it's really going to like be more than a pinprick on their, on their status really. So with them, I don't think it's that much of an issue. Small creators, you, you can argue it both ways. You could argue that a small creator, because they don't have that footing in the industry, will want to make their reviews more positive because they want to get those relationships started. But then on the flip side, I would also argue for the other side of the coin that, you know, if they're small, do they really think, you know, will a publisher really have a problem with them on the basis that their outreach is so small that it's not really that damaging? I mean, if I say a game is bad, I don't have anywhere near the kind of influence that something like the Dice Tower does. If the Dice Tower says a game is bad, a lot of people are going to see that. But if I say a game is bad, whoopee, a couple of thousand people at tops might see it. And most of them might not even care. So I'm not exactly going to have that much of a blowback. Although it's evident that I have seen publishers blow back on occasion. I mean, uh, you know, Mage Company, when they were a thing, blew back when I didn't like 12 Realms. Who did like 12 Realms? But then I've already seen evidence in modern day where I can tell that some publishers have, uh, you know, blacklisted me or something, you know, because I've talked bad about a couple of games in the past or, uh, you know, for views on beans. It's just like, yeah, coincidence much? I don't think so. Although I will also say that we are a bit hampered in the UK because since the government, government messed us up with Brexit, where now everything costs a bomb to ship to the UK in terms of taxes, import duty, and all that lot, that a lot of publishers just don't want to ship review copies to the UK. And it kind of sucks. You know, I see a lot of Europeans get review copies, and I'm like, well, I'm only next door. Yeah, but I'm next door, and I still cost twice as much for you to ship the game to me as it does, say, somebody in Norway or Switzerland or Spain or whatever. And it's just like, kind of annoying, really. You know, uh, we've been very messed up in this country in the board game industry and it's uh it hurts it's hurt this channel a bit you know brexit has managed to hurt the broken people it's kind of weird but still you can tell that you know publishers will easily get a, some publishers will get a bit irate over you know whether somebody talks bad about their game or not and so you'll think well okay we want to preserve those relationships so what you tend to find is either the game doesn't get reviewed at all or it's sugarcoated and that's the worst type of thing I hate to see in reviews, sugarcoating, where you know that they don't like the game, you know, for whatever reason, they don't like it. 
but then they sprinkle all this sugar on the end to dress it up by saying, well, it just wasn't for me. I'm sure everybody else will love this game, you know, and stuff. And it's just like, don't sugarcoat it. If you don't like it, say you don't like it and be proud of the fact you don't like it. I'm sick and tired of this whole thing of trying to dress up a bad review as something positive. If it's if you have negative things to say, critical things to say about the game, stick to your guns and stop trying to like, you know, don't switch your gun for a nerf gun, you know, actually stick to what you were trying to say and own it. But as I say, you want to, you know, you've got that little bit of a bias. Uh, what other notes have I got here? The, as I said, low subs probably have less issue to worry about than the high subs. And like when I say low sub and high sub, I mean like big channel, small channel. Uh, I've already mentioned about playthroughs and certainly if it's a paid playthrough, I would not trust any opinion that was said on it because, I mean, to be honest, as soon as you are paid to do something, I think I can't trust the opinion on it. You know, as soon as you've got money in there, it's like somebody has paid you to do this. Are they honestly paying you to say bad things about the game? No. So what exactly are you going to get out of something that's physically paid for? Simply giving somebody free stock is not the same as paying them. You know, I mean, I, I'm a tax accountant, okay? I work for a firm. I don't work self-employed. My charge out rate, I'm not going to give details of that kind of thing on air. But suffice to say, you want tax advice from me? It's not cheap, okay? It's a specialist topic. You know, you can't just give something to me and, like, expect me to say amazing things about your tax situation just because you gave me, like, a bottle of wine or something as a gift, it's like, that's not the way it works. It's the same goes for a board game. You can't just give me a board game and expect it to be a glowing 10 out of 10 review. It's like, no, we are at the end of the day critics. You know, we are going to say the truth about the game. And if your game is fantastic, we're going to say it. You know, rough with the smooth. You're going to get both sides of the coin. But this is why you should be giving these games to multiple people so that you can get multiple perspectives. Hence, give your games to more small creators. Don't just give it to the same big channels all the time. Because all you're doing is basically turning the industry into one great big ivory tower. You know, my like niche. What did I call it? Uh, cliques. Yeah, you're, you're turning it into a big ivory tower clique rather than actually promoting more creators in the hobby. And I suppose the other the other bit there is, what was it, and I suppose the consensus is, as I mentioned with the social media stuff earlier, positive and negative reviews, you know, there's definitely more of a blowback for negative reviews in general. So if you give a positive review about the game, some people might say they don't like it, but they don't think any less of you for it. If you give a negative review of a game, though, you'll get some people that will agree with you, but you'll get a lot of people that will just want to tear you down. How dare you say bad things about my beloved game? Because apparently my game that I like is the same like importance to me as my second-born child. It's like, come on. You know, deal with it. Build a bridge. Walk over it. I mentioned earlier about Clinic and how I had to correct so many people as to misunderstandings they got from the clearly laid out thoughts. You know, like, it's like, you know, this is a review, but you're making it negative. It's like, A, it's not a review, okay? But you can play Liz Bower and like it. And it's like, it's on my frigging shelf. You can see it right by my head. It's, hey, I got to correct so many people sometimes because they just see the word negative or I did not like phrase and they just want to tear it down because they just can't hack it. One of my favorite games was Sentinels of the Multiverse. I know a lot of people who don't like that game at all. And they could trash it till the days gone by. Great! 
fine. It doesn't make me like lose sleep at night if you don't like something I like. <laughs> you know, I've had people outwardly say, it's like, I'm glad you like this game, or well, they might not have even been that polite. You know, I might have given the game a really high rating and somebody says it's garbage. Fine. I like it. You don't. Different strokes, different folks, but I'm not going to go to bed at the end of the night and go, I don't like my game, stupid. It's, you know, it's, it's not such a problem. Deal with it. Build a bridge. Walk over it. Hey, I don't know. So the idea is, is that people want to avoid negative reviews on the basis of not getting all that blowback. And that's a problem in the industry. And that's not a problem caused by creators or publishers. That is a problem created by the community, where the community just can't seem to get off its high horse and, you know, accept other people's opinions. But so, as I say, back to the kind of like the starting point. I don't think anybody is like, I don't think there's this massive thing of publishers getting like paying people to do reviews. Now, I can't tell if it's happening with the larger creators. You know, I don't think it is personally. You know, I, I still feel like, look, that nobody's paying them. I mean, how much would you have to pay them in order to get the good reviews and how much of your profit would that eat into? But I don't feel like that's a thing. You know, but is there a bias for but for creators to put out reviews that are sugar-coated or more positive than they should be, quite possibly. And a lot of that could be down to larger creators wanting to preserve those relationships that basically make their channel versus small creators who want to get more noticed in the industry. But then on the flip side, it could be that a big creator doesn't really care if a publisher has a slight irking about one game they said was bad, but then the small creator has also not got enough outreach, not enough influence for it to be a dent in their, in the publisher's outreach or advertising. So it's like, okay, Luke didn't like our game. Big whoop. He's a small, he's a small, he's a random white guy in the middle of the UK. Who the hell cares? It's like, you know, there's definitely two sides of the coin and you could argue equally on both sides. I don't think this is a very easy black and white situation. Uh, but yeah, like I say that's kind of the way it is. You know, I, I have my list of people that I like to watch for reviews because I trust their opinion here. Not because, not just simply because I like them on screen, although that certainly helps to keep me interested. You know, I mentioned earlier with the nerd shells, you know, chemistry, you know, that's a good thing to have. You know, that's why I love watching the Dice Tower stuff, because you watch a Dice Tower top 10 and it's the most natural witty banter you've ever seen. And it's just so much fun to watch, even if you disagree with the lists. In fact, the, the casual two player games one I mentioned earlier, free lists. I disagreed a lot with Tom's list with the stuff that was being put on it. I disagreed with the method that Mike Deliso used with the weight rating on BGG to come up with the list. I think Z came up with the best list out of the three. But doesn't matter. I just loved it for the fact that it was like hilariously fun to watch as they were ripping into each other. It's like, that's what I like to see. But yeah, there are creators I trust for their review opinions and there are some that I don't. You know, whether it's because, you know, our tastes differ to a massive extent or whether I sort of think, now, come on, you know, I've seen your review, you have overlooked a lot of things that people have talked negative about, or I can see evidence of that sugar coating, which I'm not a big fan of either, and that can put me off wanting to watch future reviews as well. So, as I say, we've all got different things that we're looking for when it comes to uh, content, and there's obviously uh, definitely a bigger emphasis on wanting to put out positive reviews rather than negative ones, but uh, at the end of the day, I'm just some random white guy from the UK, as I said. I just like talking about board games. I'm going to say my mind on these games. 
and you can either accept that or not, publishers. That's just the way it is. I know some publishers love the fact I do it that way, and I know some have already blacklisted me, you know, not like outwardly said, right, we're not going to send you stuff, but shadow banned, I think, is more the... Uh, the phrase and it's like yes it's like hmm okay so this got gets sent to everybody in the area but not me why it's like yeah you can just tell it's just keeping your eyes open and observing these things you pick this stuff up when you've done this for long enough so yeah well that's just the way it is you know some people <laughs> you know not all of us have a big crutch to you know latch on to in terms of getting popular in the industry like another big channel or a big retail business or something like that you know for the smaller ones, it's we've just got to do what we can. But I would dare say that if you want the most honest reviews out there, hashtag support small creators. It's the way to go. So I think that's all we've done. We literally just pipped an hour. That was good timing. So I'm going to sign off this podcast now. I think I've ranted and raved for long enough. As I said, keep an eye out for some of these Blitz reviews that are on the way. I don't know what my next detail review will be. Uh, I don't think I've got anything that really is going to warrant a detail review. I mean, these Osprey games are pretty small. I don't know, maybe I could do a detail review on Undaunted. We'll see, but I don't know. Depends what comes through the post and what needs to be talked about. But definitely, I will be looking at another top 10 list at some point soon. Haven't decided on the topic. I'm probably going to get the Patreons to do an updated list of suggestions. And collaborations are still going. It's just the summer. A lot. I didn't want to rinse, repeat the same people all the time. And uh, people that I've asked have been moving house or have been busy or not interested. I mean, that kind of sucks, but fair enough. Um, you know, we did try to do a Billy Indiana one recently, and that will still happen. I think early August we're going to reconvene. But I was sick from the vaccine, and there was no way. I was under a fever. There was no way I could have hosted that live stream. So, like, Billy was cool about it. We're going to just reconvene that in early August. Godfrey Studios, at some point, we will get together and do our top uh, top five list. Paul Grogan has come to me and said, right, okay, let's do a thematic games list, which should be pretty interesting given our different tastes. But again, he's a very busy man. It's hard to pinpoint these people down. But, you know, some people like the Nerd Shelves and Lighting Up Initiative have been very positive about wanting to come back on and do as many of these collaborations as possible. So, Maybe I should stop worrying so much about doing a massive spread of creators. I and mean, obviously I want to get different people on so I can show you that these other creators exist. But maybe I should stop being so ho-hum about that and maybe just get some regulars on, you know, who are just interested. You know, we've got our own nice community of creators I want to showcase. So we'll see. You know, uh, it would be nice to get Board Gaming Ramblings on again at some point. You know, as I say, people are busy. People, it's not easy in the summer. So, but like I say, they are still happening it's just a case of whatever uh, yeah it's a case of getting them in the same place and me not being sick and on top of that i've got a q oh yeah q a on tuesday tuesday the 27th of july 7 p.m bst british standard time i will do a live q a where you can ask me whatever you like and i'll rant and rave about all sorts of things maybe even talk about the expo if you're going there so yeah that's it for me i'll see you on the next broken meeple video and the next broken meeple show podcast Take care, and remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now. Take care, stay safe, and uh, love you all. Hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now.